salutations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Lloyd Zara, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer. And I entitled this episode, Alien Nation, Creeping Coronacrats, and Hybrid Warfare. Why? We'll be talking about militia members literally going through kidnapping the Michigan governor. <laughs> Insanity. On top of that, we talk, we talk about election stress disorder, <laughs> as well as the microchip being here. DARPA creating a biochip to save us from COVID-19. I also have a clip, courtesy Project Knowledge, showing the British Air Force distributing vaccines. That's right. The world is ramping up and it is intensifying. Things are getting crazy out there. I won't lie to you. And we do the best we can to try to cover it. You witnessed some of that in this episode. A few quick updates and I'll go ahead and get started. There's no mini cast I did this week. You will hear why at the start of the show. But what I will do is I'll put the interview that I did with Josh of, Un- of Unfiltered Information in the description bar below. Uh, as always, you're going to hear me promoting the Zebellion minicast we did. It plays a huge part in what we talked about in both the first and second segment. Uh, yeah, Zebellion is like calm down. People literally separating themselves from society. The world is getting crazy out there. Uh, lastly, the only person, the supplier that I could think of for the ad is my Patriot Supply. We are talking about food shortages, nationwide meal shortages happening right now, all because of COVID. We get into this and more in the third segment. Strap yourselves in, ladies and gentlemen, because this is not an easy episode. And with that being said, let's start the show. Salutations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noise Ever, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer, and this is show number 1034, season 10, episode 34. If you see, or better yet, if you hear uh, some modulation going on with the audio, that's because I'm still messing with our mixer. Yep, that's right. Better quality sound, so you can spread us around. Yeah, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll cut to the chase. Uh, we didn't do an Instagram live this week. I was uh, feeling a little bit underneath the weather, and uh, you guys have seen me kind of fight through some of the under the weather feelings on the show. Uh, but I figure we're, we're we're not here to have a sob fest, so I didn't bore you guys with that. Uh, we did do an Instagram live this week because things were a little. Um, Things were a little blue, man. But you know what? <laughs> I don't think I know how to experience exhaustion. Um, and I, I, I say that because I'm not a workhorse. <laughs> Try to work smart, not hard. <laughs> um, but I told you guys, you know, just last week I started this new job. Um, there's a lot of different things that I'm trying to do on the back end of things. I'm working with a lot of people doing public appearances and stuff like that. And so I don't, I think, I, I don't know how to experience exhaustion, like legitimately. There's a real thing called rest and recover. 
that is foreign to me. Um, and I need to for real learn how to take a break, man, and take a breather, especially with this year. This year definitely taught me that, uh, that it is okay to at least take a couple days or a couple weeks to yourself to get yourself like in order, bro. And so that's what I'm going to be doing next week. Uh, there may or may not be a podcast episode of season 10, uh, 35, 1035, but I'm going to be taking a break next week because I think what's happening is I'm experiencing exhaustion to a degree. And it's only going to be like that until I get this, uh, this, this new gig into the routine of things and we start seeing some of the money flow um, effectively streamline this operation because I really am only one person. <laughs> and I know it doesn't seem like that because I'm always doing stuff and you're always getting content from me. Your senses are always being uh, satisfied in some way from, from what we're doing. But um, yeah, I think I just need to take a quick break to get my, my, myself resituated, especially with uh, only 26 days or so out from the election. Seeing the intensification of, 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 of propaganda, of agitation propaganda, of just destabilizing events and so on and so forth, that in order for me to have the clarity that people are so used to, I need to take a breather. So yeah, next week we're going to be taking a break. Getting our head, um, you know, like I said, not only focused on this new on this new job and integrating it into what we're doing, uh, but at the same time kind of pulling back. Earlier this week, I kind of had the thought process, like whenever I am able to hire somebody, holy crap, whenever I'm able to hire somebody for this, uh, for the podcast and for the page, um, I was coming up with something like Freedom Faction TV. And longtime listeners, you guys may remember me talking about Paradox Radio. It's kind of like a YouTube station or um, a Facebook station or anything like that that's constantly playing our episodes and constantly playing like our minicast and our Instagram live and cool media, uh, cool music in between, clips and things like that. And so what I'm kind of doing is now that we have, you know, the infrastructure, we have the audience, we have um, the engagement. Uh, and now we're going to be getting the finances. I'm going to try to get that together. And so even though I'm saying I'm taking a break, I'm really not. I think that's what I'm trying to talk to you guys about, just what's on my brain, experiencing exhaustion, what's on my head, what has to get done, um, and everything else, man. You know, because this ties into what we'll be talking about in the episode. Um, I did a, I did a, I did a, a quick interview with Josh of Unfiltered Information on his podcast. I'll put the link for that in the description bar below. You know, and we got to chatting about my days of doing hip hop music and rap and my shows and the festivals. And he asked me, he said, EJ, you ever thought about getting back into music? And here I am fiddling around with my mixer. You know, I got all this software um, and I'm trying to produce like quality conscious content to wake you guys up. And in the background, you know, I know that sometimes the direct approach is not the way to do it. Sometimes it's easier to plant seeds. And so when I'm having this conversation with Josh, I'm thinking, shucks, maybe I should get back into music. And so to pull back from all these other little irons I have in the fire, uh, from Paradox Radio to the podcast to the Instagram Live to the web app to hiring somebody to freedomfaction.tv to everything that we're doing, I think what I'm trying to tell you guys is right now, people want to hear the truth. People are receptive. People want to know. People know they're being messed with. People know they're being lied to. And now is not the time to play games. Now is legitimately not the time to play games because this is not the day and age. You, keep, you, you play stupid games, you're going to win stupid prizes. And so this is the reluctance that you guys are always hearing. 
um, the fact that I have to be a leader amongst others, amongst my peers, that I have to step forward. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. I almost typed it out today on the Instagram, uh, this week on the Instagram story. A lot of the people I'm growing up with, or, or, or at least uh, little shucks, I guess, growing up with and starting out this whole uh, 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 career with, are selling drugs now. Not nutraceuticals. Drugs, like straight up mushrooms, ayahuasca, DMT, LSD. And I know, you know, we've had this conversation, what is a drug? But I think what I'm trying to tell you guys is, while I'm talking to you about all the expansion that is required to wake people up in the diverse ways that's required, we diversify the information because you deserve it. From audio to text to video to sound and more, you got you got other people who are just like, hey, man, just take the DMT. Hey, man, just do the mushrooms. And so I think just that comparison sometimes does frustrate me. But at another level, I understand that's a part of the game. People have to experience these types of things, right? Everybody's doing their own part in their own way. And so I think I just get frustrated because, well, my way is not simple. And the the engagement that we're currently involved in, the process that we're a part of, is not easy. When you're trying to make people aware of all these other things that are taking place, it's going to be extremely difficult uh, with people that don't want to listen. And so that's why we try to, in so many different ways, diversify what we do. You know, and that might be our downfall to a degree. We might end up becoming so, so thin, spread so thin in what we do, trying to diversify everything that we may never reach our, our, our goal of waking people up. Uh, I say that, but then I do shows, like I said, with Josh of Unfiltered Information. Uh, then I do shows with uh, David Nino Rodriguez. Uh, and then I go do, you know, investigations down there at the border. And then I start thinking about all the other things I'm involved in. And so what I'm trying to tell you guys is right now is the time. People want to know. People are looking for courage. People are looking for strength. And this is something you guys hear me struggle with all the time. I'm always trying to do <laughs> the best I can. But you know what? Sometimes the best you can do is the best you can do. You can't please everyone. And sometimes you got to be all right with that. Sometimes the best thing you can do is the best thing you can do. It's the best you can do. And that's what you need to do. Just your best. Don't worry about all that other stuff. You just need to worry about being your best, both on the field and off the field. And that's where we're at, gang. Because these days aren't normal. Neither is the work that we do. And like I told you last week, we don't have that luxury of laziness nor ignorance. No sir, no ma'am. Not anymore. These days, we have the luxury of time. <laughs> I'll say this and I'll start getting into stuff. Um, <laughs> I was talking to somebody the other day about the difference between comfortability and peace. You won't sacrifice a little bit of comfortability for peace of mind. Here's a simple example. You won't sacrifice an hour of sleeping in bed to get out and go run for as long as an hour takes. It doesn't have to be a mile. It could be a mile if you wanted to. It could be three miles. It could be nine miles. It could be ten miles. But you won't sacrifice a moment of comfortability for a moment of peace of mind. You won't be uncomfortable so you can be 
at ease. And that's where we need to get to. We need to sacrifice some of our comfortability for peace. Was it a Benjamin Franklin that said, those who, those who offer up their freedom in the name of security deserve neither. And that's the angle I'm trying to come from, ladies and gentlemen. And with that being said, let's start the show. So, the debates were this week, right? I didn't watch it. <laughs> I, did, I didn't watch it, to be honest. I did not watch it. Uh, but I heard a lot of great things about Mike Pence and Kamala Harris being destroyed. But another thing that the election seems to be bringing is what's been called election stress disorder. I have a quick clip for you guys, uh, and then we will carry on from there. <laughs> election stress disorder. I guess that's everybody kind of being over talking about all this nonsense with the election, with Trump, with Biden, and so forth. Uh, let me play this clip for you, and then we'll continue on. A new round of election stress disorder is spreading across America, and that's according to experts. And they say that the tension is even worse this time around because of the pandemic. Health reporter Stephanie Stahl is here with this information. Hi, Stephanie. You know, it's what everybody's been talking about, right? Stress levels have been sky high for months now. We've been dealing with the pandemic since March. And now the presidential election is front and center with the country bitterly divided. Doctors say tensions are escalating even more. Does watching this stress you out? Are you checking social media a little too much? You're not alone. Marsha Palanchi says she's been feeling election anxiety too. I was keeping pretty zen about the whole situation until I watched the debates and then that went out the window and I have been incredibly stressed. I'm getting a lot of emergency calls on resentment and anger. Therapist Dr. Stephen Stosny says stress over the election is causing many Americans to fight with their spouses, friends, and co-workers. During the 2016 election, he coined a term for it, election stress disorder, and he says this year, the anxiety is even worse. Anxiety makes you feel powerless, and resentment or anger makes you feel temporarily more empowered. He says we often turn that resentment and anger on the people closest to us. It's difficult to avoid political conflicts. I try to avoid them, but sometimes, sometimes you have to, you know, respond to what they're saying. Elections only a month away, so it's going to get more and more and more intense. Dr. Stasny says you can reduce anxiety with exercise, writing your feelings down, or do what Marsha does: avoid social media and resist the urge to argue with others. I'm very careful not to bring up politics. Otherwise, that would be the end of the friendship. It would, it would just be too volatile. And if you do find yourself in an argument, experts say, try and keep it respectful. It's healthier for you and your relationships. And psychologists say it is important to find ways to cope because sustained stress can cause a variety of physical problems, including heart disease and diabetes. Jessica? Yep. All right, Stephanie, thank you. Her thank you, Jessica. The election just now. Thanks, Steph. Precisely. Stress, anxiety, anger, rage, polarization. True polarization. This is what happens when we keep looking for politics to save us, my friends. Say it here all the time. People are looking for a political solution to a deep spiritual problem. And I would think, I would hope that 
the closer that we get to this election, we're, we're, we, we see people's, again, psycho-spiritual configuration, where they're operating from, what makes them tick, why they're so angry, why they're so hateful, why they're so spiteful, man. Stuff's not healthy. It legitimately not. You know, and I understand that this is, you know, the most, uh, <laughs> the most important election in history, right? And to a degree, there is, there is some, legitimate, some legitimacy to that. But people are getting tired. People are getting worn out. Suicides are off the chart, man. Uh, mental health, the, the mental health epidemic we've talked about going in this, being in this, and coming out of this, it's going to be crazy. The disassociation that's taking place, the volume, the Zoloft, the Ambien, <laughs> the Prozac, people just blissing out, man. It's a very real thing. Because we are, we are becoming quickly a very, very toxic nation, an alien nation, a hiss and a whisper in people's ear, dude. And it's not right. It's not healthy. You know, I talked about it last week, and I think it needs to be underscored this week. I said I have to commend Trump for fighting against the swamp as they're trying to drag him in. And, you know, within a couple of weeks, within a couple of days, Trump had coronavirus, and now he's doing all this. We'll talk about that in the next segment. But what I'm trying to talk about is the hope that, that, to be honest, that he's bringing, that people need to pay attention to. People are getting very, very volatile out there, from burning flags to uh, attacking churches, you know, all the other crazy stuff that's going on out there. I think people really need to understand that it's, it, 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 it's pre-planned, for one. And it's all, it's all been done by design. Uh, I can't stress it enough. You know, we've talked about it throughout the entirety of the pandemic, uh, some of the other peripheral events that are taking place that are causing people to lose their mind. The lack of jobs, uh, the lack of things to do. Um, you know, again, the polarization, the anger, how charged things are now, uh, the inability that people have to control their emotions and discipline themselves. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that come into this, man. And so... To pivot into my next topic, I want to bring something up. This is, again, more of that political solution to a spiritual problem uh, right here. Hillary Clinton says young people are leaving church because Christianity is judgmental and alienating. This is an article written by Ricky Scaparo. He put this up October 6th over there at End Times Headline. And before I get into this, realize we're talking about Hitlerion. Hilarion. Uh, to a degree, I think that we are talking about the beast that... The, the whore that rides upon the beast that's drunk off the blood of the saints. I think that we are talking about uh, the whore of Babylon, Hillary Clinton. And I know that sounds rude, but this is what happens when you have virtue signaling politicians thinking as if they are the moral authority in a, in a, in a wicked country such as ours. I think this is what I was trying to say again when I was talking about Trump. Uh, people are wanting a righteous and whole, wholesome, decent person. We're not going to get that. I don't really think people understand like how wicked and sinful we really are. Like uh, judgmental and alienating. Yeah, you should be a little bit judgmental. Yeah, you should alienate yourself from a lot of these social agendas and a lot of the other things that are going on. You should you should apply some set of standards outside of society and moral decay uh, to uphold yourself by. But see, that's the problem. Let me get the, let me get this picture off. I got to say this, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get into that article. I was just talking about election stress disorder. It's very real. I've, and, and, and we've talked about it here on the show. 
um, the fact that I think that the, the system's corrupt. Is this what QAnon's trust the plan was? To let things get so corrupt, so evil, so blatantly disruptive that we have to say enough is enough. We've got to start putting people into the offices to fight this. Because that's the problem. When we say our vote doesn't matter, we don't care, you're in, and, and, and it's all going down the crapper. We let wicked, evil, corrupt people get into offices, and then they carry out these, these unconstitutional orders, these things that, that screw us over. Realize that it's not Trump that said lock the country down. It's our governors. It's our mayors. It's our local politicians. And so when you don't think that your vote matters, you need to go call these people out. That's the, that is the sad truth. That's what I was telling you about at the start of the show. My reluctance towards doing all of this work is now that it's, it's, it's no longer just talking. It's no, it's no longer just hearsay. There are certain actions and things that's got to get done. We have to organize. That's, that's how we're always split apart. It's because we're unorganized. Our adversaries are very efficient and very professional. We're not. But now that all this stuff is becoming so out in the open, People are waking up. They can't deny it. They don't want to wear the mask. They don't want to lock the country down. They want to fight this. They want to get back to normal. But that's what happens when we let these politicians, these so-called elected officials, run roughshod on us. So I would hope, even though we were just talking about election stress, it's not just how the country's run. It's how you want to be run. It's how you want to take your, your, yourself into uh, accord. How you're going to govern yourself if you want to have autonomy. Or if you want to be a slave. And this is a real thing, man. This is why you haven't heard me talk necessarily about voting as a solution. But at the same time, having ownership of what you do, ownership of your actions, and being aware of the social agendas that are at play. So here, let me get in this article uh, and then we'll continue on. It says Hillary Clinton has suddenly become an expert in the matters of the church. She recently stated that many young people are leaving the church today because Christianity has become, quote, too judgmental and, quote, alienating for them, according to the lifelong Methodist and former secretary. Secretary, According to the Christian Post, Clinton made this controversial comment while interviewing social justice advocate and pastor William J. Barber II of Greenleaf Christian Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina, last week on her, quote, You and Me Both with Hillary Clinton podcast. During the recent podcast, she stressed that, quote, Black Lives Matter is a, quote, theological statement and that the church in America, according to her, needs to, quote, take a hard look at itself and try to figure out how it can be a real partner in this moment of moral awakening. Quote, Jesus and justice are the same thing, Clinton argued. But there is a, quote, concerted effort by one political party to basically own Christianity, and it overlooks the role of the African-American church. I wonder if she has taken a hard look into what the Bible says about the, quote, shedding of innocent blood. Anyway, she went on to say that, quote, you know, to say that Jesus and justice are the same thing to me seems to be so obvious. I would love to see Hillary Clinton sit in church for more than an hour. It says, I mean, how can you be a Bible reading person, a church attending person, and not understand how profoundly true that simple phrase really is? Clinton said to Barbara before asking him how a veteran pastor and activist he is, quote, trying to open up people's minds and hearts to understand what Christianity should mean and what we should be and what should be expected of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. Barbara also explained that people need to first admit that, quote, from at least Western culture and American culture, that, quote, the genocide of First Nations people and the enslavement of African-Americans, along with the exclusion and the oppression of women, quote, affected and infected theology in a bad way. Quote. One of my professors said, quote, to be Christian, to be born again, sprinkle whatever you call it, 
and to claim the Holy Spirit is to have a quarrel with the works, with the world's system of injustice. So you got Hillary Clinton saying that uh, Jesus and justice are the same thing. You got her trying to say that the left cares about religious freedom. I'm not even going to play their games. What I'm going to try to tell you guys is what you already know. This is virtue signaling. These are these people trying to act as they are the moral authority, as if they truly care, not only about the black, not about, not only about the black, uh, the African Americans' uh, blight, the black man's blight. They don't care about that. They want, to, they know how to pander, and that's about it. They know how to cater to their audience. It wasn't Hillary Clinton that talked about going to a mosque, a synagogue, and a church so that she could cover all of her bases. But again, I'm not trying to play that game with, with her. What, what's happening right now is the overt Satanism that we've talked about incrementally week after week after week after week. Is it's, it, it can't be hidden. And so Hillary Clinton has to go speak with a, with a pastor to make it seem like things are okay. What I'm trying to break down to you guys is how we are a nation lost. How we no longer care. That Hillary, <laughs> Hillary, the liar and chief that she is, to a degree she is irrelevant, and a lot of these people are irrelevant. It, it, it really does frustrate me. You know, the fact that you've got, again, a politician trying to go to the church, a 501c3 church, I'm sure, an activist church, one beholden to the government, making sure they toe the party line, getting involved in social justice activities. A politician, again, helping lead a church. You've got to think about how, how the word's been conscripted. You get me? How it's been manipulated. We've talked about this, unfortunately, time and time and time again over here on the show, especially whenever it comes to China, about them burning, uh, burning churches, ripping up grave, graveyards, uh, tearing down crosses, installing party communist officials. It's very easy for politicians to infiltrate the church and act as if they are decent and moral people because the same way they act like they care about impoverished people, black people, they go to the church next. This is just old for, old, an old form of virtue signaling. It's what Al Sharpton does. The Reverend Al Sharpton. That's why we're having a new form of virtue signaling uh, with, with gendered language and political correctness. Hillary Clinton's just doing the same thing. But what am I trying to talk about here? What am I really trying to bring to your attention? That we are so lost that we need corrupt government officials to be our moral indicators? To tell us where we need to go? This is what I mean by alienation, the blind leading the blind. All of this hate and animosity is creating a dangerous breeding ground. Truly, it is. It's like that, um, it's like that saying that Yoda says, where he says, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. And right now, we're at the stage to where we hate. And so you know what's coming next. Suffering. You know, when we're, not, when, when, when we're not going out of our way to look for common ground 
um, when we are filled with so much vitriolic venom and disgust for everything and everyone. You ask me where that's going to go. A couple weeks ago, whenever we did our Polarization Days episode, gosh, it feels like forever now, that was me trying to bring to people's attention that we're not seeing right, man, that we're not well. (laughs) Me included, other people as well. But when you're angry and when you're all when you're always angry, when you're always frustrated, when you're always just on something, my friends, you, you're not you're not well, you're not thinking clear. You don't have that peace of mind. Like you could, again, I, th- I think what frustrates me and I and I understand how all this stuff works because politics and everything is subtly nuanced. You got people over here saying, good, I hope Donald Trump dies and we know he's going to die. You know, the Illuminati card game, the Simpsons, the predictions, they're talking about killing him. You know, they know we know he's going to die. But the fact that you have, again, that vitriolic hatred, that anger in encouraging it, because it's not just it's not just rhetoric. And if it is, it's now violent rhetoric, vitriolic rhetoric, venomous rhetoric, evil rhetoric. It's not healthy. And so when you're in this this constant state of mind, always slinging obscenities, always hating things, always, you know, down on yourself, down on others, you know, crapping on things. When, you, when you're in that state of mind, you're not healthy. You're not okay. You're, you're mentally ill. There's something wrong with you. You need help. And that's where a lot of people are. That's why we really, to be honest, shouldn't be engaging with a lot of these discussions. Yes, reach common ground, but at the same time, ask, where is this, where is this vitriolic hatred coming from? What is the purpose of this? To whom does this benefit being so angry? And yes, I get it. It's the most important election in history, sure. But where was this beforehand? And where will this be after? Because this, this, where we're at right now, the hatred that's going to lead towards the suffering, it's not going to end on November 20th. It's not going to end on November 3rd, and it's not going to end January 20th either. We've talked about it over here where they're talking about breaking up the country and uh, uh, interstate compacts, and um, you know, n- now there's talk about the UN coming into the nation. But this is what I'm trying to talk about. We are so divided that we were that we're about to open up the door for the tro- Trojan horse to come in. That's why nobody's talking about China. That's why nobody's talking about the communists because that's who's orchestrating all of this. But when you're so angry and you just want something to be dead and over and blah, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see how you're upon. That's what I'm saying. All this animosity creates dangerous times. You know? And it's not just the pandemic. You could say, yeah, it's Trump. But there's a number of factors here. And none of them are good. Not a god dang one of them. <laughs> and so, this is just the mental state of the country right now. I want to read real quick this article uh, that ties into what I'm going to be getting into next. People losing their identities, the dissociation that we talk about, because that anger will lead towards dissociation. That's why the mob mentality is taking over. But here, let me read this quick headline and I'll try to connect my two points. Uh, German neurologist warns against wearing face masks. Oxygen oxygen deprivation causes permanent neurological damage. This is an article written written, uh, by Signs of the Time. They put this up October 6th and it basically goes over. A doctor talking about people wearing the mask for prolonged periods, how they're causing permanent neurological damage. You're losing your mind. 
Now, we've talked about this before. People wanting to be validated in their hysteria. People wanting you to validate their delusions. Let's get into the hysteria. Help me lose my mind. Help me dissociate. I don't want to live. I don't want to think, right? This is, this is what happens. I guess I think of America to a degree right now as like a dog with a muzzle on. Like we, like we were abused for, you know, abused and traumatized, let out of our cage, and then muzzled while, while after being traumatized. And so when I'm trying to break down to you guys just where our head is at, where our emotional state is at, how we're not seeing things right, how we're, how we're losing our minds, how we are scientifically being robbed of our identity, it's a very real thing. And that's why you have to fight. You have to fight the programming. You have to fight against the social agendas. You have to fight against the abdication of oneself. It's a very real thing. This is all aiding towards the dissociate, the dissociative factor, or now, or the now dissociative nature of reality. Let me get into this, and I'll try to continue on. Uh, like I said, this comes from Sounds of the Time. They put this up October six, and it says that this is one of the most important posts I've ever made. So please read it. I have a written transcript of some of the highlights from Dr. Marguerite Griez-Bresson, uh, her recent and extremely pressing video message, which was translated from German into English by Claudia Stauber. It says, Dr. Marguerite Griez-Bresson, MD, PhD, is a consultant neurologist and or neurophysiologist with a PhD in pharmacology, with special interest in neurotoxicology, environmental medicine, neuroregeneration, and neuroplasticity. It says that this is what she has to say about the face masks and their effects on our brains. Quote, the re-inhalation re of our exhaled air will without a doubt create oxygen, defic oxygen deficiency and a floating of carbon dioxide. We know that the human brain is, a very, sensitive, is very sensitive to oxygen deprivation. There are nerve cells, for example, in the hippocampus that can't be longer than, they can't be longer than three minutes without oxygen. They cannot survive. The acute warning symptoms are headaches, drowsiness, dizziness, issues in concentration, slowing down of reaction time, reactions of the cognitive system. However, when you have a chronic oxygen dep deprivation, all of those symptoms disappear because you get used to it. But your efficiency will remain impaired and the undersupply of oxygen in your brain continues to progress. We know that the neurodege neurodegenerative diseases take years to decades to develop. If today you forget your phone number, the breakdown in your brain would have already ha started 20 or 30 years ago. While you're thinking that you have gotten used to wearing your mask and rebreathing re your own exhaled air, the degenerative process in your brain are getting amplified as your oxygen, depri oxygen depri deprivation continues. The second problem is that the nerve cells in your brain are unable to divide themselves normally. So in case our governments will generously allow us to get rid of the face masks and go back to breathing oxygen freely again, in a few months, the lost nerve cell will no longer be regenerated. What is gone is gone. I do not wear a mask. I need my brain to think. I want to have a clear head when I deal with my patients and not to be in a carbon dioxide-induced anesthesia. Carbon dioxide-induced anesthesia. You are losing your mind. Can I tell you that? 
not only are the not only are the masks killing the economy, but they're also killing your brain. They're aiding in this dissociative nature of reality right now. People aren't thinking well, man. Like they're not okay. They're not going outside. They're not socializing. They're not hugging. They're not cuddling. They're not laughing. They're not enjoying life. We're being killed. Soft killed. Slow killed. And so if it seems like things are crazy out there, it's because people aren't thinking straight. They ain't getting enough oxygen to the brain. I've told you this before. I'm out there on the hikes, uh, on the foothills all the time, hiking. And I'm seeing people with masks on. You're out there to get fresh air. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? It's sad, isn't it? But see, that's why a lot of the crazy stuff that's happening right now, they could only happen in a time like this when people aren't thinking straight. When you got Hillary Clinton trying to uh, cozy up to the church, when they're trying to put a ball gag and a muzzle in your mouth telling you to shut up, wait for the shot, it ain't right. People aren't thinking straight. And so if there's one thing I can say real quick for you guys, uh, learn proper breathing techniques. I know that's a uh, pot calling the kettle black, right? I should learn to breathe, but learn proper breathing techniques. What's gone is gone. You're not going to get it back. We've talked about this before as well. Uh, even how some of your thoughts can help restructure some of your brain. We, uh, there's been a study in the University of Zurich. Uh, we did a lot of talking about it last year where thoughts, um, where recurring thoughts help restructure the process of how your brain fires neurons and things like that. Um, your thoughts are very important. What you think is what you do. Energy goes where attention goes. And so what I'm trying to break down to you guys is that we're not well. People aren't thinking straight. They're not, they're, they're, they're not seeing how they are incrementally being put into a position of pacification. I'm sure if you were able to look at some of the brainwave output of people right now, you would see that we were in a trance. And again, this ties into the dissociative nature of reality right now. Flipping through your phone, staring into a screen, putting a mask on, not communicating with people. This is not healthy. Again, the polarization, the rage, the emotional er erraticism. Thoughts restructure your brain. If you're not taking the time to learn something new, teach yourself something new. Again, develop these breathing techniques. Go out there, go find a new hobby. Teach yourself a different language. And I mean, like, pick up a different trade and things like this. You're, you're going to fall for a lot of these things. And that's why I, I, I'm basically trying to scream, not necessarily at you guys, but at the world, that this is not where we should be going. We are being killed. Sophisticatedly. And it's very, very dangerous. Not only are masks killing the economy, but they're killing your brain. What's gone is gone. And unless you want to be in a carbon dioxide-induced anesthesia moment, you need to wake up. This is why you guys have not seen me with a mask on. This is why I unfortunately no longer go to the gym. Because I knew the game here, and I'm not going to play it. I want my identity. I want to be who I am. But see, they don't want that for you or for anybody. They want you to assimilate. 
that's also a part of the artificial depression that's taking place. The great divide that's happening. Those that have the haves and the have-nots. You see a part of the washless masses, the faceless masks, faceless masses of people who have masks on, who are no longer themselves. That's what they want for you. You see. Check this out to continue on or at least begin closing out this segment uh, for you guys. <laughs> it, it's just nuts. Um, I don't know if you know, but currently we are shadow banned. And that's okay. It's probably because we have posts like this. Hot mic moment. Lawmakers admit that all masks are political theater. So that it's on camera. Wendy Ullman and Governor Tom Wolf were caught joking off camera about taking their masks off just before they spoke at a press conference touting that, that, that touting the need to defend Obamacare during COVID-19. Yeah, no, the reason they want you to put your mask on is because they see the same studies and they see how stupid it's making people. Because it's not about public health. It's not about safety. It's about submission, compliance, and control. Like I said, they, they, they see that it's making you stupid, dumb, and pacified. So if they could just get you to keep that mask on for as long as possible, great. They don't have to hear a word you say. You'll probably forget what you were going to say in the first place. You see, you need to retain your identity as they're forcing you to lose it. Here, let me go. Uh, I got distracted uh, getting into other stuff. But here, let me, let me go ahead and pull up this, this article for you guys. Um, <laughs> and this is just more of the insanity that's increasing. You have a former CEO in Twitter basically calling for his political enemies to be lined up against the wall and shot. <laughs> yeah. So a couple months ago, back in April, whenever we hit like 250,000 followers and somebody called me a nut job, that they, that, that they called me essentially a terrorist for telling people to take their rights back, they would probably agree uh, with this former CEO, Dick Costello. <laughs> yeah. Uh, former C Twitter CEO calls for political enemies to be, quote, lined up against the wall shot. This is an article by Baxter Dimitri over there, News Punch. They put this up October 1st. And sure enough, September 30th, uh, 2020, on his Twitter, Dick Costello said that first capitalists who think you can separate society from business are going to be the first people lined up against the wall and shot in the revolution. I'll happily provide video commentary. It says former Twitter CEO and left-wing activist Dick Costello has publicly called for people who disagree with his political ideology to be, quote, lined up against the wall and shot. But Twitter isn't political and there's no big tech bias against conservatives. Don't worry. It says that Twitter has banned millions of conservatives for using its platform for, various re for a variety of reasons, most far less serious than calling for a revolution and death squads. Mike Cernovich pointed out that Costello was in violation of Twitter's own rules regarding the glorification of violence. Quote, this tweet is an actual violation of Twitter's TOS for glorifying violence. That aside, thanks for publicly endorsing the mass murder of your political adversaries. This is clarifying, he tweeted. 
Don't expect Costello to be punished for his bloodthirsty cough to violence. Leftists are allowed to engage in harassment, violent threats, and numerous other abuses of Twitter's TOS with no consequences whatsoever. But don't worry. There's no bias in big tech. Yeah, before uh, coming onto the air, I didn't get around to posting it. But apparently there were some people in, I think, Milwaukee? Chanting Black Lives Matter, doing the, doing the whole protest thing out there, causing chaos. Um, going to people's houses, like they said, once they get done, bear, once they get done destroying the city, the suburbs are next. We played that clip for you guys here, and now they're coming for the suburbs. So to go ahead and start closing out this segment for you guys, I want to go ahead and pull up this article. It says violent extremists are the greatest terrorist threat inside the U.S. This is said by the Department of Homeland Security. That's right. That's right. Because, again, your rights are a threat. In an empire of lies, truth is treason. This is an article written by Zachary Stiber over there at the Epoch Times. He put this up October 6th, and it says that the primary terrorist threat inside the United States stems from violent extremists, the Department of Homeland Security said in its first ever Homeland Threat Assessment. First ever. He goes on to talk about, well, Antifa, KKK, BLM, white supremacist organizations, violent extremists, and everybody. Realize that just last year, we talked about this. I freaked out. Because they said, you know, uh, conspiracy theories and conspiracy theorists are considered like a, a, a domestic terrorists. And, you know, with the polarization and COVID-19, Donald Trump, election 2020, all this stuff, we can't, we can't hear that. We can't pay attention. That's more of that peripheral background noise that's taking place. So what's happening right now are the powers that be, our government, are getting their ducks in a row to conduct mass arrests, targeted arrests, um, and, and, and more. And this is where we're at. Continuing on, it says DHS officials said part of the primary threat are domestic violent extremists or people operating primarily within the U.S. without direction or inspiration from foreign terrorist groups or other foreign powers and homegrown violent extremists or a person of any citizenship who has lived and or operated primarily in the United States and who advocates is engaged in or is preparing to engage in ideologically motivated terrorist activities. This is the time frame where I would point you in the direction of my 22-minute minicast, Zebellion. We did it earlier this year. It's the Pentagon releasing information, talking about them preparing for this type of stuff. Fast forward a couple months, here we are with the DHS saying they're preparing for the very same thing. Continuing on, it says, among the former category, racially and ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically white supremacist extremists, quote, will remain the most persistent and lethal threat in the homeland. The report states, no specific white supremacist groups were identified. These extremists have demonstrated over time the intent to target both racial and religious minorities lawmakers, and people they think promote multiculturalism and globalization at the expense of their identity, according to DHS officials. White supremacist extremists were responsible for more terrorist attacks, nearly 40, posing a greater threat to the life inside the United States from 2018 to 2019 than any other group. 
DHS said. Acting DHS Secretary Chad Wolf said in the report's introduction that he is, quote, particularly concerned about white supremacist violent, violent extremists who have been exceptionally lethal in their abhorrent targeted attacks in recent years. Quote, I am proud of the work to prevent terrorizing tactics by domestic terrorists and violent extremists who seek to force ideological change in the United States through violence, death, and destruction, he added. Kyle Shiedler, Director and Senator and Senior Analyst for Homeland Security and Counterterrorism at the Center for Security Policy, told the Epoch Times via email that he disagrees with the approach used by DHS officials in determining the biggest terrorist threat inside the country. Yeah, no mention of Antifa there. It's crazy. It truly is crazy to see where we're going. Um, and now that you have the FBI saying that apparently they foiled the plot from white extremists trying to kidnap Governor Whitmer of Michigan. Yeah, crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But these are the days that we're in. You're not allowed to have freedoms. You're not allowed to have rights. Your social freedoms are a threat. Your civil rights are thrown out the window. As Hillary Clinton, Hitlerian Clinton, and Joy Behar say, your freedoms are terroristic acts. Yeah. These anti-lockdown protesters, they're terrorists. Your rights are a terror. I'm going to close out with this, and then we're going to take a quick break, but we all knew this was going to happen. You're not allowed to speak truth in this empire of lies that we're in. And regardless of how you feel about QAnon, regardless of how you feel about conspiracy theories, it doesn't matter. People need to have the ability to communicate. They need to discuss things right here. Facebook announces QAnon conspiracy theory account bans across all platforms. It says that Facebook will ban all pages, groups, and Instagram accounts purporting to represent the popular QAnon conspiracy theory. The company said Tuesday that its employees had begun removing accounts, but that the work, quote, will take time and will continue in the coming days and weeks. They're shunting, they're shutting down dissenting opinions as we creep up on the election, as we rush towards the ballot. They're cutting out dissenting voices, alternative opinions. The Ministry of Truth is working overtime to silence you. They've silenced me. Yeah, some of my posts don't even get a thousand likes now. Now we're at like a hundred. I'll be lucky to break 200. 200 likes out of 300,000 followers. This is the world that we're in. This is the nation we're creating. And this is 2020. This is the alien nation. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be getting into coronavirus, the coronacrats, COVID-1984, and more. The microchip is here. DARPA has announced a biochip to save us. Thank God. Thank God we have the technocrats like Bill Gates and Elon Musk to save us from COVID-19. President Trump and Melania testing positive for COVID-19, and apparently now they're out doing whatever. That's right, as well as the British Army distributing vaccines. The world is getting increasingly crazy, and we're going to be talking about it on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction over here on Factions of Freedom, and we'll be right back right after this. In a world where secret powers are at play, 
where nothing is as it seems. One brand of clothing gives crusaders of truth a voice. One brand in the fight against terror, deceit, and destruction. We are not merchants of fear. We are not a parody of free thinkers. It was almost like they ignored it because they wanted it to happen. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat. This season, get ready to awaken the masses. Forget the politicians. Politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. You don't. You have no choice. You have owners. They own you. Forbidden clothes. Because if you know, you know. state of war and you have precious little time to save yourself it's a slow process which we call active measures first stage being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. The next stage is destabilization. What matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. The next stage is crisis. With a violent change of power, structure and economy, period of normalization. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C. who will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfilled or not. Time bomb is ticking. With every second, the disaster is coming closer and closer. The danger is real. Welcome back. Show number 1034, season 10. Episode 34. You know, I think about all the stuff we've covered in the years of being here. And um, it's just going to get crazier. <laughs> it's just going to get crazier. We're going to be talking about hybrids in the next segment. Um, Human-animal hybrids. And I tried to go back to find like an episode where we had covered it or did like a mini cast where we had covered it. And I don't know if YouTube deleted it, but you can definitely find like previous episodes where we talked about human-animal hybrids and animal-human hybrids, ones that are leaning more towards animals and then ones that are leaning more towards uh, uh, humans. 
mutants, transhumanism, biohacking. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that in the next segment. Um, but here we are, 26 days out from the election, season 10, episode 34, uh, in the year 2020, and the world's getting crazy. You know, it's not even about the virus anymore, because we're going to be talking about coronavirus, COVID-19, all this stuff. It's no longer even about the virus. And I think that's why I get frustrated. Somebody's programming all these Karens to go out of their way to attack people, to mask shame. I was watching like a live transmission the other day, and this dude was just sitting there walking through the streets of New York with his phone, just talking about how everything's all boarded up. Some of these shops aren't coming back, you know. Um, Fifth Avenue is basically dead. And then this lady just begins to heckle him while he's recording, minding his own business. And I'm, I'm like, gosh, how rude is that? How rude is that? And I, and I guess because I'm part of that old world order, I still believe in the thing called the social contract, respecting somebody's private privacy and stuff like this. To just see some old lady over there just coming at somebody who's minding their own business. I'm like, wow, that's rude. And then I think to myself, well, why do you think that's rude, EJ? You had the very same thing happen to you while you were working in your garden. Don't you remember that old lady coming up to you saying, you live here? You live here. Well, who did you vote for? And then her to hurriedly uh, say, well, we got to try to get this guy out of office. I'm going to come back and we're going to register you to vote. Again, social contract being broken. Who's telling these people to do these things? We went into the break talking about uh, apparently the governor of uh, the governor of 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 of, of uh, Michigan, Governor Whitmer, apparently being kidnapped. Let me see if I, I'll try to see if I can find that article. Uh, you know, let's see. We'll see if we can try to get that article right now because I think that's kind of crazy. I kind of want to cover it with you guys, but. This is the world that we're the world that's being created, man. This is the world that's being, you know, that's being made. The social contract being broken, uh, people's rights being trampled on. You're not even able to engage in civil discourse. You're not even able to engage in a discussion because it will upset people. You know, I think uh, I think that uh, for the sake of time, I'm not going to get into Governor Whitmer being kidnapped. I don't think that's real. It may or may not be. It might be an ability. It might be something for them to try to set people up. Seems pretty extreme. I don't know. But this is this is it. This is the world. And so just last week, we're talking about the the breakdown of law and order. The social contract being broken. You know, the new normal, all this stuff. And. It's upsetting. It's discouraging. And I think the best way for me to kind of encapsulate stuff, and I'll start getting into the topics, coronavirus nonsense, is what I said on David Nino Rodriguez's Instagram Live, that with Antifa, Black Lives Matter, the, the Boogaloo Boys, Refuse Fascism, all these other people who are caught, these, who, whoever's a part of this domestic terrorist group affiliation, this whole new genre of politics, that they're creating. Every time these type of setbacks take place, we are going to have to fight to get back that sense of normalcy. We're going to have to fight to get those rights back. And it's going to take at least a year or so. You get me? And that's where we're at. We're in a fight, not only for the future, 
before this moment and more. And so it's all hands on decks. It really is. It truly is. Uh, and I'm going to be right there with you guys. <laughs> Come hell or high water, good or for bad, I'm going to be right there with you figuring it out. And with that being said, let's start this segment. Creeping Coronacrats. Last week we put up a video of a mayor of a UK town talking about not going along with the coronavirus restrictions. Hi, the government's just made an announcement about strict measures coming into Middlesbrough and Hartlepool. I have to tell you uh, that I think this measure has been introduced based on factual accuracies and a monstrous and frightening lack of communication and ignorance. I don't accept uh, the statement at all. I don't accept the measures. We need to talk to government. They need to understand our local knowledge, expertise and ability to get things done and preserve jobs and well-being. We're really disappointed. We're, as things stand, we defy the government and we do not accept these measures. We need to get COVID under control and we need to work with people to find a way of preserving jobs and mental health. The mute wasn't on. Sorry about that, guys. I said uh, thank you, Andy Preston. The mayor, of the, mayor, the mayor of Middlesbrough said that he was prepared to defy the government and reject new coronavirus measures imposed on the town. And as you heard there, he says, I do not accept these measures. We need to figure out a way to live with coronavirus. We need to work through this. People's livelihoods are at stake here. People's jobs are at stake here. This is not normal. We should not do this. I'm going to read a little bit of this, and we're going to continue on. Uh, this comes from Nima Harris. They put this up October 1st over there at News Punch. It says that the government confirmed on Thursday that Hartlepool and Middlesbrough will be facing further restrictions. It is thought that this is the first time an authority figure has stood up to the, corona, to the government and their, and their draconian restrictions. London Economic reports that the independent Andy Preston was furious with the new rules, which go further than he and his counterparts in Hartlepool in Hartlepool had lobbied for earlier in the week. Middlesbrough and Hartlepool councils had asked for a ban on households mixing in their own home. But House Secretary Matt Hancock went further and announced it would be illegal for households in those boroughs to mix in a public setting, such as a hub, such as a pub, as was the case elsewhere in the Northeast. In a video statement, Mr. Preston said that, quote, I have to tell you, I think that this measure has been introduced based on factual inaccuracies and a monstrous and frightening lack of communication and ignorance. I do not accept the statement at all. Quote, we need to talk to government. They need to understand our local knowledge, expertise, and ability to get things done and preserve jobs and well-being. We are really disappointed. Really disappointed, as you should be. Your rights are being taken from you. Your, your, your rights are being taken from you. The fact that you can't gather in your own home, the mixing of families. This is what happens when you have a government thinking that it knows best. This is Big Brother on steroids. It shouldn't be, it shouldn't be little towns like Middlesbrough standing up to this. 
common sense people should see these things, should see that their rights are being taken, the fact that they can't go to jobs. We'll be playing a video later of a mother being arrested on a beach for not being able to go past her five-kilometer radius. What is this? Again, your social freedoms are being trampled on. Your civil rights, do we even remember that whole movement? Or has, have all of our civil liberties been thrown out the window because of coronavirus? And this is terrifying. We should all be having a collective response. That's why they took Australia out of the news, because that's the testing ground. They're saying that China is the model, right? China's the model. Australia is the testing ground. And you're beginning to see them deploy it everywhere. Look at this. Terrified. UK Health Secretary confirms armed forces will be involved in distributing coronavirus vaccines. Another article from News Crunch by Nima Harris put up October 5th. It says British Health Secretary Matt Hancock has confirmed that the military would be involved in distributing a coronavirus vaccine. Hancock said that the UK government is, quote, working as hard as we can to get a vaccine ready and added that the military would be involved in, quote, making the rollout happen. The health secretary added that, quote, the plans are in train. A combination of the NHS and the armed forces are involved in the logistics of making this happen. The news comes after the government sources revealed that the jab could be, quote, just three months away in Britain, leaving every adult in the country vaccinated against COVID-19 as soon as Easter. RT reports that speaking at a virtual conservative party conference about the pandemic, Hancock said that the, quote, armed surface and the contact tracing app NHS will both be implemented in deciding how to distribute a potential vaccine according to clinical need. Now, I'm going to play for you real quick a clip of, the, of, of just that, unfortunately, of armed forces in the UK doing that. Just, just, just mates sitting out there, lazing around. They got their iPad, they got their backpacks, they got their shots, and they're going door to door asking, do you want the coronavirus vaccine? Do you want the shot? And you know, even that if you say no, something's going to happen. Even if you said, no, I don't want the shot, thank you very much, and you were civil, something's going to happen again on that peripheral. And it terrifies me because this is where we're at. They can't forcibly detain you. Here, let me play for you guys this clip, and then we'll continue on because it is Again, just monstrous, the fact that we are... The way a new round of election stress disorder is spreading across America, and that's according to experts. And they say that the tension is even worse this time around because of the pandemic. Sorry, election stress nonsense. We are looking for Project Knowledge's Instagram of the British Army on the streets of England. Shout out to uh, Project Knowledge. I'll put this link in the description bar below. Uh, I'll just read for you guys a real quick caption, and then we'll continue on. It says that uh, I'm not going to write exactly what I think of the Army personnel and their morals here because it'll be highly offensive. Quote, forgive them for they know not what they, what they are doing, quite literally. Goes on to say that the powers that be wouldn't have any power if servicemen and women could think critically. If you know anyone serving, try to wake them up. I thoroughly believe that we're going to begin to see defectors within the military. This might be why military suicides were up. People not wanting to engage in this type of behavior, betraying their countrymen. And then you have other people saying that, well, you, you've got to follow those orders. You're going to have people within the military coming out saying they're against this 
because they're aware uh, of what's in the vaccines. But here, let me play for you guys this quick clip, and then we'll continue on. This is the British Army on the streets of England knocking on doors, asking people if they want to take a COVID test. And then just walking the station right there. There's three, uh, three people who have this. Two of them are there. Good afternoon, how are you doing, Raj? Yes, good, thanks, how are you? Um, what are you guys doing on the streets? If you don't want to ask them. We're just supporting them, handing out COVID tests. For what reason? Just to give people a chance to test themselves in the house. Can I ask you a question? I'm, I'm a citizen of uh, Hansworth. We live in this community. I just want to know, I'm recording this for my safety and your safety also. Um, why is there the need to have the army on our streets and knocking on people's doors to see if they want to be tested? We just like to support the council and have them out. But why the army? Just to support. That's what we're here for. Just to support the council to help hand out tests. Because people want to have tests. Surely that's their discretion. If they can, they can go voluntarily to any sort of... Uh, Centres to have tested, so why knock on people's doors? Just to give them the option, they don't have to take it, they can just take it if they want. Well, who's directing is this? Birmingham City Council. Birmingham City Council, and where's Birmingham City Council got this directive from? I'm not sure, sorry. And also, just to say, if, if you do come knocking on my door and I refuse, what, is there any repercussions to that? Of course not, no, it's entirely up to yourself. And how do you guys feel? I'm assuming you're part of the British Army? The Air Force. Oh, the Air Force, yeah. And how do you guys feel knocking on? On, on people's doors. Well, I don't ask any more questions, but we're just here to support, but thank you. Yeah, but surely, I mean, you know, we're here to, you know, this is a dem democratic country that we live in, yes? And it's a free country. Do you not think this is a bit draconian in terms of what you guys are doing? I'm not asking more questions, sorry, but we're just here to support, but thank you. So you're, you're only here to support? We're here to support, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is there any legal right that you can actually go around knocking on people's doors? I'm not asking questions. Well, it's not very good, like I said, I'm not happy. As a citizen of Hansworth, you know, and I'm one of the residents around here, and if I do see anybody, any, any people that I know, I will tell them to refuse to knock on the, open their doors because I think it's an absolute liberty of people's civil rights and taking away our freedoms. This is absolute tyranny. Having the army on the streets, yeah? Having the army on the streets. Now listen, I'm saying, having the army on the streets is absolute tyranny. And you guys really should be absolute tyranny. Guys, really should be ashamed of yourselves doing this. You know that it's absolutely disgusting. Is this what this country's come to now? Absolutely disgraceful. Knocking on people's doors to ask if they want to be tested. There's nothing wrong with people. If people want to get tested, they can go to these test centres if they want to. So this is intimidation. You know that. Absolute tyranny. Mark my words. We'll be getting the words out. Taking orders from my life. So this is uh, Station Road people. They're going around knocking on people's doors, asking if they want to have voluntary tests. And we don't even know what these tests are. We don't know what they're for. So please, I say to the community of Hansworth, do not open your doors. And if, they, if, if you do open your doors, politely tell them to go away. Yeah. Away, brother. Politely. Okay, yeah. So we're just recording these, uh, these army people on the street. I've just put, um, I've just put the pictures up on the group chat. Oh, okay, well, listen, I've just, I've just put them, I've recorded them, so we just need to get the word out to people not to open doors. I've, uh, I've told everyone. Powerful. Powerful. And as you saw there, a mate just pulled up telling him that uh, I, I put the picture up on the group chat. 
it's going to get down to that, you know, to where you're going to have to coordinate with people in your community. The same way that we're doing right now on social media, you're going to have to communicate with people in your, con- in, in your community, truth-based, that understand what's going on. And you guys are going to have to act as a network to raise awareness. Legend. Legendary. I'll put that full clip in the description bar below because that is, that's history right there. The same way we saw people being arrested in their front room for, for, for literally making a Fedbook post is the same way that we're seeing this type of stuff take place. We, we need everybody to act as a global consciousness to where we're able to point this type of stuff out. That was crazy. That was terrifying. That man was an effing legend. And the fact that he's able to stand up, keep his composure, shout these people down, respectfully decline, and at the same time call them out for their tyranny, that's the level of focus, discernment, and discipline we need. We need that. But what did I just spend an entire hour, an entire hour prior to the show talking about, prior to the segment talking about the polarization? There's no way that we could have a unified front against that, against this level of tyranny. Because if we did have collective rebellion against this, they would have to stop. But how many people do you know that are aware of the sham, are skeptical of the virus, are skeptical of the vaccine, aware of their rights, and will not go along with this? That man was an effing legend. And that's a level of focus we need to be on. I'm serious. It may not seem like it. it, it it's not that it may not seem like it is like that. It's like that. I can only shudder to think what will happen um, if you begin to cause a ruckus. We've talked about it before here. The, uh, the Community Emergency Response Team, CERT, door-to-door contact tracing going on in California already. Mask fines in New York City for, for, for violating social distancing orders, stuff like that. Again, China being the model. It's crazy how we've been infected with their authoritarianism. And now you have technology. I'm not, I'm not going to play the clip for you guys. Uh, I'm just going to let it run in the background. But you have technology that won't let you enter into a store without having a mask on. So you got the military going, to your, going, to, going into neighborhoods, trying to ask people if they want a shot, if they want a test, if they want a vaccine, they want to collect your DNA. And on top of that, you go into the stores. They're like, well, we want to see that you're wearing your face mask. We want you to be able to, to display your obedience. You understand the sophistication of what we're talking about? The, the, the almost pincer-like attack on our rights that's taking place. Again, it's going to have to get down to a point where you have doctors, lawyers, scientists, engineers, and other technocrats coming out against this in an organized and unified fashion, calling it out. That's what we talked about just last week with you guys, right? Uh, 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 doctors in Ohio, or I mean, excuse me, doctors in Oklahoma, Oklahoma filing a lawsuit against the mandates. And now you have Michigan's attorney general saying that she won't enforce the lockdowns from Governor Whitmer anymore because they're unconstitutional. And, oh, how strange now that the governor, or now that the attorney general won't admit or, or, or won't enforce the laws, you've got Governor Whitmer apparently being threatened with kidnapping. 
again, the sophistication. That's why we have to have an organized, not necessarily, I don't want to say organized rebellion because they can get me for talking like that, but we have to have organized awareness and collective resistance to this. Because if you thought the masks were bad, what do you think's in that vaccine? What do you think's in that shot? There you, you hear them talking about mRNA vaccines, genetically altering your DNA. Everybody knows that vaccine's tainted. If you thought the masks were bad, what are coming next? And that's why we have to fight this right now while we have a chance. You see, they put the mask on everybody else to say, shut up. We don't care about your, your opinion. And for the fools that are still wearing the masks, they're more than welcome to. You're playing along. And for everybody else, they're fighting it so you can get that mask off. They don't want you to lose brain cells. They don't want you to be in a carbon dioxide induced anesthesia. They don't want that. And so what's coming after the masks? Right here, the microchip. DARPA's biochip is to save us from COVID and it can control human DNA. This is written by Robert Wheeler over there, the organic prepper. They put this up October 5th. It's been reposted by Waking Times. And what do you think we're going to talk about? We're not going to be talking about uh, Bill Gates's Luciferase. We're not going to be talking about the SARS-CoV-2 or COV-2 virus. We're going to be talking about a biochip. We're, we're, we're in those days. And unfortunately, people aren't talking about how some of the, like, here, here are some of the side effects. We're talking about day-long headaches, spinal inflammation, weakness of the lungs, <laughs> all from this, this thing they're trying to cure, where it seems like if people get it, they get over it. It's, oh, it's, it's what it is. Yes, the virus is lethal to some degree, but is this hype necessary? Why are we talking biochips in a response to this virus? Why do some of these, why do some of these vaccines hint at the fact that they are changing your biochemistry? Let's get into this. It says, while half of the American voting public is no doubt waiting in earnest for the announcement of a release of the COVID vaccine, and as totalitarian states and governments around the world over attempt to require proof of negative tests before travel, a new tool in the shed of government surveillance and control is revealing itself. The microchip has arrived. It says, while many are still attacking anyone warning of the, quote, coming microchip as a conspiracy theorist, Luddite, or religious fanatic, that microchip has arrived, Gov but governments aren't having to market the chip as a method to track, trace, and control the populations. Instead, they are marketing the chip as a way to track and detect COVID and other coronaviruses. Clearly, this is a much easier sell to the public literally terrorized by their governments and mainstream media outlets for the last six months. Raul Diego details the creation of the coming rollout, the new biochip, in his article. Quote, a DARPA-funded implantable microchip to detect COVID-19 could hit markets by 2021, where he writes that the most significant scientific discovery since gravity has been hiding in plain sight for nearly a decade, and its destructive potential to humanity is so enormous that the biggest war machine on the planet immediately deployed its vast resources to possess and control it, financing its research and development through agencies like the National Institute of Health, the Defense Advanced Project Agency, and H.S. Barta. H.H.S. Barta. The revolutionary breakthrough came to a Canadian, re to a Canadian scientist named Derek Rossi 
in 2010 purely by accident. The now-retired Harvard professor claimed in an interview with the National Post that he found a way to, quote, reprogram the molecules that carry the genetic instructions for cell development in the human body, not to mention all biological life forms. It says these, mo these molecules are called messenger ribonucleic acid, or mRNA, and the newfound ability to rewrite those instructions to produce any kind of cell within a biological organism has radically changed the course of Western medicine and science, even if no one has really noticed it yet. As Rossi himself puts it, quote, the real important discovery here was you could now use mRNA, and if you got into the cells, then you could get the mRNA to express any protein in the cells. And this was a big thing. Here's what the technology can do. This technology amounts to the remote control of biological processes. I'm going to pause right there. We've talked about, unfortunately, implantable uh, contraceptives, remote birth control. Bill Gates' fingers are all over it. Yeah, the fact that you could, and I shudder at the thought of this, that a father could give his daughter essentially an, IE, an IUD and mess with her, 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 her biological programming. This is where we're at. But that's just implantable birth control, remote, uh, remote contraceptives, and things like this. We're just talking about a microchip that has the ability to reprogram the cells. But how could that microchip enter your, your body? Don't, don't you worry. Unfortunately, we've covered this stuff on the show. I'm trying to be like ambiguous and mysterious, but we've covered this on the show before. That's why they want to get that shot in you. That's why China wants to make it free. That's why Bill Gates is like, we got to figure out a way to get this to everybody. I need to see people's vaccines. I need to see people's DNA. That's what the COVID stands for, the Certificate of Vaccine Identification. That's what COVID stands for. I'm only going to read a little bit of this, get to the hydrogel part, because that's, that's the vaccine gel. I'm, I'm only going to read a little bit of this, and then we're going to continue on. It says, the, Diego continues, As early as 2006, DARPA was already researching how to identify viral upper respiratory pathogens through its Predicting Health and Disease program, which led to the creation of the agency's Biological Technolo Technology Office as reported by Whitney Webb in a May article for The Last American Vagabond. In 2014, DARPA's PT BTO launched its In Vivo Nano Platforms program, which researches implantable nanotechnologies leading to the development of a hydrogel. Hydrogel is a nanotechnology whose inventor early on boasted that, quote, if it pans out with approval from the FDA, then consumers could get the sensors implanted into their core to measure their levels of glucose, oxygen, and lactate. This contact lens-like material requires a special injector to be introduced under the skin where it can transmit light-based digital signals through a wireless network, like 5G. I'm going to just let that marinate a little bit. We're talking about the microchip. We're talking about the mark of the beast. We're talking about it. There's no more like, oh, it's not here. Oh, shucks. What are you talking about? We're talking about it. 
the vaccine is here. The vaccine is here. The shot is here. The microchip is here. That's why this is such a crazy convergence time period. And that's why nobody really has like the understanding to break this down because it is prophetic. We're talking about tracking and tracing people. We're talking about putting microchips in people. We're talking about owning people, modifying their DNA. We're talking about a lot of different things. The microchip is here. And in places like China, they've, they've, they've connected their um, track and trace program to the social credit score system. And so if you've got a low social credit score, let's just say they're going to track you, contact trace you, say, oh, you came into contact with so-and-so or whatever. This is, this is the mark of the beast. You will neither be able to buy nor sell without receiving the mark. Here, let me pull up this quick clip for you guys. Oh, the border. Stephanie Sell is here with this information. Hi, Stephanie. You know, it's what everybody's been talking about, right? Sorry, Steph. We're not talking about you. Um, we are talking about the Chinese government combining the track and trace corona system with their social credit score. Sorry, Steph. Stuff. What was considered an unreasonable fear in many countries around the world when it comes to contact tracing, you know, which is being used to help control the novel coronavirus, the idea that this could, for example, be used for totalitarian social monitoring, well, this has now become a reality in China. The local government of China's Jiangsu province has launched a new social control system that combines the CCP's health code program with the regime's social credit system to create what they're calling a, quote, civilization code. This new system gives people a civilization score, which ranks them into different levels. And this level is then used by the government to judge who gets priority or who should be subjected to restrictions or punishments. Now, the system appears to function like an expanded version of the existing social credit system. It's being rolled out currently in Suzhou, which is a major city of that province. It will apply to everyone over 18 years old. First off, what was considered... There it is. So, in a, in, again, prophetic politics, that's what we're talking about here. I know people don't want to think about it. We're talking about the Mark of the Beast style system. I'm not going to say social credit score. I'm going to say Mark of the Beast. I'm going to make people go grab that Bible of theirs and research Revelation and understand what the Mark of the Beast means. The Beast style system. This designed to rob you of your rights and rob you of your individuality. To make you a slave and a serf that you will neither be able to buy nor sell without receiving the mark. And what's the mark? The implantable microchip. They want to be able to detect your biofeedback. That's what the iWatches are for. To a degree, that's what this, this, this digital mind or your cell phone is for, is to track your biorhythms your, and, again, your circadian rhythm. That's why everything's tracked and monitored these days. This is the surveillance state. This is COVID-1984. You get me? That's why this doesn't make sense, because it's not supposed to make sense. You're not supposed to have rights in this, techno in, in, in this technocracy. What, are you kidding? You're not supposed to have rights. And now they've began arresting mothers on the beach for going outside of their allotted space. <laughs> Get back! 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 Get back!
And now you have cops pushing pregnant ladies and arresting them on the beach. More of the COVID 1984 insanity. This is insane. Video has emerged of police officers clashing with beachgoers in a dramatic arrest of a woman at a Melbourne beach as hordes of residents headed outdoors to enjoy the good weather over the weekend. And uh, uh, audio listeners, that's what you hear going on in the background right now. You hear jackbooted thugs literally picking up a pregnant mother off of the sandy ground and detaining her, walking her away. It says officers approached a group of people at the Altona Beach in the city's south in the city southwest on Saturday evening after they noticed they weren't wearing masks, the police said. And here's a description of how this, quote, mask enforcement unfolded, in which the police claim the group that included a pregnant woman acted aggressively. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're, you, you are aggressively not wearing a mask sitting on the beach. <laughs> My God. This is the COVID-1984. These are the creeping coronacrats. And look at them. They're all proud of themselves arresting a mother sitting on the beach. So They're so proud. These are where our tax dollars go. And then they wonder why movements like defund the police happen. Literal insanity. I'll put that link in the description bar below. Uh, if you guys want to share it and get it out there, again, watching the violation of our human rights, literally insane. And so this is what's warranted. Don't you know you have a cold? So let me rough you up, get not, not abide by social distancing, right? Get right up in your grill, put hands on you, come into as much contact as I can and call you a, a dirty human for doing what I do. This is, this is the inversion of logic on so many levels. Australia, our hearts are with you. Continuing on right here, World Health Organization doctor says that 10% of the global population may have been infected with the novel coronavirus. This is an article that comes from Just the News, Not the Noise by Sophie Mann. I put this up October 5th. It says that the World Health Organization estimated Monday that one in 10 people worldwide have been infected by the novel coronavirus, more than 20 times the number of confirmed cases. Can we trust the World Health Organization? It says that the estimate was made by Dr. Michael Ryan, who leads the, the WHO's uh, emergency division during a session with the group's 34-member executive board. He said that the number was his, quote, best estimates, and that the, quote, vast majority of the world remains at risk. He also said that, quote, Many deaths have been averted, and many more lives can be protected. You hear that double speak? The new estimate from the WHO, from the WHO would indicate that 760 million people worldwide have been infected with the novel virus, a number far surpassing the currently reported 35 million confirmed cases. 
Ryan also said that the group is getting reports of a surge of cases in Asia and Europe. The doctor cautioned that the world may now be, quote, heading into a difficult period. The disease continued to spread. It is on the rise in many parts of the world. And so this justifies grabbing a mother off of the beach. This justifies tasing a mother at a, at, at a, at a, at a, at a football game. Yeah, the cases are going to go up, but that's not deaths, and that's not recovered. It's just cases, okay? But again, you've got a terrorized, brainwashed, and traumatized, polarized population that doesn't want to hear facts, that says, you know, I'm just going to follow my orders, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to get through this. Because that's it, people just want to get through this, they don't want to know how we got here. They don't know that their compliance is what's seeding this. They just want to do whatever it takes to get through this. And now, Bill Gates says that the U.S. and Western nations must pay for COVID vaccines for the whole world. An article written by Baxter Dimitri over there, News Punch. They put this up October 1st. And before I get into this, Realize just last week, you have, or not even last week, I think it was either two weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, you have President Xi Jinping of China saying that he will make the coronavirus vaccine free. Oh, so we, so we got to pay for it. Bill Gates is over here saying, yo, y'all got to pay for the, y'all have to pay for these vaccines for the rest of the world. Oh, Francis already said it. He said, hey, the poor and the weak should get the vaccine. And Trump's like, hey, don't even worry. I'll have the vaccine ready for you guys before the election. And so they're sending military people in the UK door to door to see who wants the shot. Let me get into this article. This is Microsoft founder and, quote, world health dictator Bill Gates has ordered the U.S. and Western nations to dedicate more government funds to pay for coronavirus vaccines and distribution networks for the rest of the world. According to Gates, paying for billions in doses of vaccines for poorer countries, which don't have the financial clout to strike deals like the $2 billion agreement that Washington struck with Pfizer, is the only way to eradicate COVID-19 in the West and return to our normal lives. Hoarding supplies of vaccines isn't just wrong, Gates argues, it's counterproductive. And we in the West must pay the costs involved in vaccinating everyone in every country. Before I continue on, Realize that, again, this is placing the blame on us. That I don't, like, I, I, I can't stress this enough, that I don't think the vaccines are going to do anything other than cause more problems. When we covered, <laughs> when we covered a couple, like, last year, or even the year before last, when we covered a couple, when we covered it a couple years ago, um, that Johnson & Johnson, all these, again, pharmaceutical industries that we're dealing with now, when, I think it's the Sackler family. Yeah, I think it's the, it's the Sackler family. I forget what, what uh, organization or what company it was, but the Sackler family basically got sued out of their richness because not only did they sell a product knowing that it was going to... Um, make people addicted and cause other problems. But and I'm just going off of memory. But they also 
sold the solution. It's like getting people addicted to one drug and then selling them some boxing, which is another drug to help them kick like heroin addictions and all kinds of other harder addictions. The Sackler family got involved in that process. So they, they, they sold not only the, not only the cure, but the poison. And so they got sued for that. You can't, you can't do that knowing that the product you're creating is going to cause problems and then selling another product to basically uh, enable somebody to become a junkie. And so when we covered that a couple years ago, that hardly got any press. And we're seeing the very same tactic with these vaccines. I don't think the vaccines are going to cure anything from COVID, but it's going to create it's going to it's going to create mutations. It's going to create problems. It's going to create different strains. And so it's not COVID. It's not COVID nineteen. It's COVID twenty one. It's whatever this thing. It's it's whatever byproducts are going to be there. That that I'm truly worried about. That's what I'm saying. Like we went over the hydrogel, the injection, the injectable microchips, and things like this. That's just one thing of how they're able to monitor what's going on inside of your body at like a a, a a biological level. I don't know about genetic level, but a biological level. And I think that's what I have a, a, a honest apprehension about when it comes to these vaccines and these air quotes treatments, because the, the vaccines aren't going to do anything. It's the treatments afterwards for what these mothers, these sons of guns have caused that, that worries me. You see, so Bill Gates trying to set us up because again, regulatory liability, uh, uh, like they, they're going to be, they're not going to be held liable. They're going to be able to cause all these problems and get away with it. Okay, we went, we went over that. Johnson Johnson asked for it literally a year ago. Whenever they did Event Two Hundred One, he asked for regulatory flexibility. We don't want to be held liable for any cross reactions that take place if people get a bad batch. That's why Bill Gates already came out saying, "Hey, a certain percentage of populate of the population are going to experience adverse reactions." That's okay because it's in the name of science. That's why they're trying to get out ahead of this. But for him to try to come out on national TV and say that we need to figure out a way to reduce vaccine hesitancy and get get America to to deploy these vaccines to the West, he is setting us up for failure. I'm calling it now. And if people in other parts of the world take this vaccine via Bill Gates delivered by our military, it is going to cost millions of lives. It truly is. When Bill Gates gets kicked out of India for essentially making an entire generation of women sterile, when he gets called out for all of his nonsense in Africa, and then he decides to come back home, stepping down from Microsoft, tricking, uh, tricking Trump to develop Operation Warp Speed and do all of this, you have got, you got to understand the sophistication of the supervillain. Let me get back into this. So Zero Hedge reports, but it's not just a question of donating supplies. The Western world and its leading corporations must collaborate with government to start ramping up supply chains to ensure that production of billions of doses of the vaccine can be produced quickly once emergency approval has been granted. Because we can immunize against the disease, governments will be able to lift social distancing measures. People will stop having to wear masks. The world's economy will start running, up, running again at full speed. But elimination will not happen by itself. To achieve this goal, the world first needs three things, the capacity to produce billions of vaccine doses, the funding to pay for them, and systems to deliver them. 
Right now, most of the world's supply of COVID-19 vaccines is slated to go to rich countries. These nations have been making deals with pharmaceutical companies, securing the right to buy billions of doses as soon as they are produced. But what about low and lower middle income nations of the world everywhere, from South Sudan to Nicaragua to Myanmar? These nations are home to nearly half of all human beings, and they do not have the purchasing power to make big deals with pharmaceutical companies. As things stand now, these countries will be able to take cover at most will be able to cover at most 14% of their people. Now this is an extraordinarily lengthy article that we don't have time unfortunately to get into. Uh, but I would definitely recommend you guys go do so because you're literally having a supervillain tell you what his plan is, telling you that we're going to figure out a way to get the poor and the weak the people in poverty, you're going to get this vaccine. That's exactly what Melinda Gates said when all these Black Lives Matter protests started happening. First the healthcare workers and then black folks because we want black folks to have the vaccine. And now Pope Francis says that the poor and the weak should get the coronavirus vaccine first. You hear the sophistication? That's why the tides are changing. The tides are truly changing because they, they, they have to tell us our plan, what their plans are. They got to throw it out there so that as they begin to pull these things off, they have twice the if we go along with it. Speaking of going along with things, Apparently, President Donald Trump tested positive for coronavirus. He's now left the hospital saying, quote, don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. And right now, our video, our video watchers are seeing President Trump leave Marine One and enter into the White House. Now, we're not going to do an entire show on, oh, does President Trump have COVID? Uh, he doesn't have COVID. Oh, I'm looking at his body mannerisms. God, Emperor Trump, you know, we're not, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to sit here and obsess over whether or not Donald Trump does or does not have COVID. Because you have people saying, oh, when he got out of the Marine One, he looked like he had trouble breathing. We just talked about how masks inhibit your breathing. Heck yeah, a breath of fresh air. It's going to be, it's going to be the first thing you do when you take off that mask. You what I'm trying to say is Donald Trump has a chance to change this entire narrative by leaving the hospital with his treatments, by covering COVID, by, again, contracting it and then going about his life. Granted, the man's, I think, like, what, 72 or 74 years old? You know, they're, they're, they're saying he drinks Pepsis and Cokes and has McDonald's, he has a bad, a very bad diet. You know, he's obviously overweight, so he has a lot of comorbidity factors uh, against him, and, and we covered that. Coronavirus is especially deadly for people that have, you know, comorbidity factors. Trump's got a few of them. He's not the healthiest person there, that's for sure. Um, but what are we trying to talk about when looking at Trump and COVID? He has the chance to change this entire narrative. Obviously, he won't. You know, the lockdowns are for political purposes. So are the masks and so are the vaccines. The vaccines are for business purposes, right? 
the lockdowns are for political purposes, economic, and there are economic uh, uh, problems with that as well, as well as the mask. Trump has all the cards right now to change this narrative, but, but it won't. It won't be changed, unfortunately. That's why they're saying, well, we can't call this the China virus. We should just call this the Trump virus. He messed this up. And so because we have a mockingbird media that has fanned the flames of polarization and violence for so long, we don't know what we're going to do. You literally have people wishing Donald Trump death, saying, good, I hope he dies. I hope everybody in the White House dies. <laughs> and it's like, wow, we, we, we really have gotten this far down the rat hole. We really don't respect life, politics anything anymore and that's very dangerous so last week president trump tested positive for coronavirus and this week he didn't let it rule him wow <laughs> you have places like the babylon b saying he's about to eject ebola <laughs> he's about to inject uh ebola into himself to beat that too <laughs> Hilariousness, uh, but getting back to more of the creeping coronacrats and more of uh, the things that are taking place right here. Michigan Attorney General won't enforce Governor Whitmer's coronavirus orders that have been ruled unconstitutional. So Trump gave the signal. Everybody else picked up the message and did the work. And the same way that we talked about a coalition of doctors in Oklahoma, not the White Coat Summit, but a coalition of doctors coming together to fight against the mask mandates is the very same way that we're going to need more people within office to either be pressured to stop this or to, or, to, or to go against it. Because, yes, the mask mandates are one thing, the lockdowns are another, but where is the honest discussion about our rights, about the vaccine, and more? Let me get into this. This is written by, written by Chris Pandolfo over there at The Blaze. They put this up October 5th. And it says, a Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel will no longer enforce Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer's executive orders on the coronavirus after the state Supreme Court ruled the emergency powers seized by Whitmer were unconstitutional. It says that Nessel's office announced Sunday that Whitmer's coronavirus restrictions would no longer be enforced through criminal prosecution effectively ending the statewide mandates for Michiganders. But a spokesman for the Attorney General indicated local law enforcement agencies may continue to enforce COVID-19 mandates in accordance with local ordinances. Bridge, Maine, Bridge, Michigan reports. So people are fighting back, but we need them to do more. We need them to go after people. But that's the problem with having like an overreaching, authoritarian, tyrannical government such as ours. With these blanket umbrella statements, these edicts. It leaves all these little things at the bottom, these crumbs that we have to pick up. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and get this article up for you guys since we're speaking about Michigan uh, and fighting back. I, I can't help but think that this is the sophistication of our adversary. I was talking about it earlier. I got it up uh, during, a, during the break. FBI claims it foiled the plot to kidnap the Michigan governor, Gretchen Whitmer. 
So as, again, I said, you had the Michigan Attorney General, Dana Nessel, fighting back against these unconstitutional orders. It's very strange because it's unconstitutional that you would have people who would consider themselves constitutionals, constitutionalists, potentially carry out a kidnapping. Uh, this literally broke a couple minutes ago. We put this up October 8th over there at Zero Hedge. It says the FBI says it fo foiled a plot by six members of a militia to kidnap Michigan, Michigan Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer at her vacation home and overthrow the state government, according to an unsealed criminal complaint. Quote, several members talked about murdering tyrants and taking a sitting governor, according to an FBI agent. Quote, the group decided they needed to increase their numbers and encouraged each other to talk to their neighbors and spread the message. Over 12 people were arrested late Wednesday and on both state and federal charges, while a core group of six alleged plotters were charged with conspiring to kidnap Whitmer. Four of the six men reportedly planned, reportedly planned to meet on Wednesday to, quote, make a payment on explosive and exchange tactical gear, the agency said in an unsealed court filing. The FBI quoted one of the accused as saying Whitmer, quote, has no checks and balances at all. She is uncontrolled power right now. All good things must come to an end. Authorities scheduled a Thursday afternoon, conf afternoon news conference to talk about the case. The government used informants and undercover agents to thwart the alleged plot. Two of the alleged conspirators, quote, agreed to unite others in their cause and take violent action against multiple state governments that they believe are violating the U.S. Constitution, reads the FBI criminal complaint, which names the six as Adam Fox, Ty Garbin, Caleb Franks, Daniel Harris, Brandon Caserta, all of Michigan, as well as Barry Croft of Delaware. Fox allegedly said he needed 200 men to storm the Capitol building in Lansing, take hostages, and try Whitmer for, quote, treason. The plan was to be carried out before the November 3rd election. However, that the suspects later shifted to the kidnapping Whitmer at her vacation home. In June, Croft, Fox, and 13 others from multiple states held a meeting in Dublin, Ohio, near Columbus, according to the government. Those present include an FBI confidential source who recorded the meetings. It says that the source has been paid $8,600. So as you have people waking up to the, to, the, to, to the tyranny of their governors, you also have very, very sophisticated plans like this taking place. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that next week, but I just wanted to slide that in here right now uh, since we're talking about Michigan. People, again, being aware of these unconstitutional orders, going through the proper checks and balances, fighting this. But then again, you have provocateurs, extremists on both sides, trying to make sure that unification does not take place. So to begin to close out this segment and to wrap up this segment for you guys, because again, we're seeing that pushback. We're seeing people unify. They want to get back to some semblance of normalcy right here. You have thousands of medical professionals signing a petition to demand ending the lockdowns and returning back to normal. An article written by Baxter Dimitri over there, Newspunch, they put this up October 6th, says governments in the Western countries must end the draconian COVID-19 lockdowns and low-risk people must be allowed to, quote, resume life more or less normally according to the leading epidemiologists from the world's top universities, including Harvard, Stanford, and Oxford. On Monday, world-leading international epidemiologist Dr. Martin Koldorf from Harvard, Dr. Sunetra Gupta from Oxford, and Dr. Jayant Bachara from Stanford joined Laura Ingram on the Ingram Angle to announce their latest initiative to reopen society and resume life in the West for those 
who are not vulnerable to the coronavirus. So as you have people beginning to remove the masks, trying to take off the handcuffs, and waking from their sleeping slumber, their carbon, their carbon dioxide-induced anesthesia, waking up from this, this, this terror, you have extremist elements on both sides trying to get the handcuffs and trying to get the ball gag back in our mouth. Truly, we are not only in a fight for the soul of this nation, but, 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 but our very souls ourselves. Like I said, we'll keep an eye on that whole uh, kidnapping Governor Whitmer, Whitmer story. But this is the world that's being created. And these are the creeping chronocrats. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about hybrid warfare. More of that strangeness that's going on. Uh, as if having an injectable microchip was not enough. You now have a, a majority of people who, research, who, who support the research for human-animal hybrids. You've got Singapore beginning to pay citizens to have babies, as well as one in f out of five Americans being out of money by the election day. We're talking about all different types of warfare on the other side. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction over here on Factions of Freedom. And we'll be right back right after this. Taken over the Democratic. we've been trying to get back to. Safe. 
Welcome back. You know, if you kidnapped anybody, I hope you kidnapped them. <laughs> I hope you kidnapped them, tied them down, and made them listen to this podcast episode. <laughs> I laugh because, um, you know, back before I was with my lady, I remember putting this meme on my Instagram, my personal Instagram. Um, it, was, it had sexual tones to it. I was like, oh, she said, tie me up. And so I did. I tied her up so she could listen to my mixtape. <laughs> and I laughed because I, I, I would for sure tie somebody up and force them to listen to my podcast episode. I would today. Um, and with that being said, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning into this edition and this segment of Factions of Freedom. Uh, we literally left off not only talking about some of the creeping corona crap nonsense that's taking place, the corona crap but also about the governor of Michigan, Governor Gretchen Whitmer, potentially being kidnapped and how things are escalating on both sides as we reach, as, as we come barreling towards the, the election. But we're not done. You know, I, I, I jest about uh, kidnapping people, but my God, it was literally just the other week that I told you guys I was watching Gotham and I saw this character that was supposed to be the Joker kidnapping police and, and stuff like that, holding people hostage. And here we are now just kind of casually talking about uh, air quotes, militia members potentially kidnapping governor Gretchen Whitmer. Now that's terrifying for a number of things, for a number of reasons. I'm going to go ahead and get that up for you guys. Like I said, we put this up 
today, October 8th, in between the breaks. Governor Gretchen Whitmer potentially being kidnapped by Michigan militia members. That's new. But when you go on to read about it, you hear that there were paid informants and that there are agent provocateurs inside of these organizations uh, helping encourage some of this type of behavior. And the sad part is, is we have we've, we've, we've also covered that here uh, with a lot of the shootings that took place um, a couple years ago, you know, with the Las Vegas shooting, the Mandalay, the, the Mandalay Bay shooting, um, the San Bernardino shooting. You know, whenever we looked at all those strange shootings that were taking place, the Parkland, the Parkland Bay or the, or the Parkland shooting, we looked at who's creating this this environment, who's giving these kids these guns. How does this type of stuff happen? And when you again look at the structure of how this stuff happens, it's radicalization. It's polarization, it's isolation, you know, it's, 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 and I, and I'm sure I could do like an entire show on this, but it's separating people from society, feeding them agitating propaganda, information that's going to radicalize them. And then FBI members, CIA members, agents, whatever you want to call them, agent provocateurs are sitting there gaslighting and green, gaslighting these activities, greenlighting what they do, giving them materials and resources the whole way through. And then as soon as they are about to conduct the act, that's when the feds come in. But I guess I can't, I can't, I'm frustrated because the very same thing is happening with Antifa, yet these guys are allowed to carry out this type of organized domestic terrorism. So this, again, the sophistication of our adversary, the stuff that we're talking about here, this is not fluff. That's again why I'm telling you that this is the fight for the soul of this nation and more. Prophetic politics and all of that. You know, we're going to be talking about hybrid warfare. It, it, it was my cool way of looking at, again, psychological warfare, biological warfare, uh, emotional warfare, spiritual warfare, economic warfare, lawfare, all of, the, all of these different things. Something we've touched on Instagram Live time and time again. But again, you have to look at what we just kind of glossed over right there. That the FBI foiled a plot to kidnap the Michigan governor. And whether or not this plot was legitimate or not, we all still suffer from these type of acts. And that's what's crazy to me. So the war is here at home. And you have, you have people on both sides with their own agendas trying to carry things out. And it's not going to be pretty. I'll tell you that right now. As, as, as things progress, because it's not going to end on the election day, it's definitely not going to end January 20th either. As things progress, they're going to intensify. And I don't want to tell you to get out of the way because I feel like some, something's got to be done about this. But, my God, we will know more the closer we get to it. But again, let's go ahead and start getting into uh, this segment, Hybrid Warfare with You People. One of the reasons I wanted to name this segment Hybrid Warfare is uh, because of this right here. You have a, a poll where there are a majority of people that support GMO research for human-animal hybrids. That's right. A majority of people now support human-animal embryos, the era of hybrids. We're entering into it. We're entering into 
the days where you can abdicate your humanity. And so w- w- when I told you before at the start of the episode that people are giving up their identities, that masks are helping take part in this dissociative nature of reality right now, right? We don't know people's names. We just know them by their monikers or by their aliases or by whatever they want to call themselves. You're, you're, you're not yourself. The only reason this type of stuff can, can flourish, people wanting to be human-animal hybrids, is because humans have been given a bad name. We don't care anymore. I'll put it to you this way. You play any of these type of video games these days, are you a human or are you an elf? Are you, a, are you an orc? You know, are you some, some cat person? You know, are you some type of demon person? And I say that because, well, this is how we all feel. We've, we, we've, we've talked about this time and time again. Just a couple of weeks ago, we've talked about the, the satanic nature of people. But heck yeah, you're going to have people that think that it's appropriate to scientifically modify their body. We've talked about this. Human-animal hybrids, animal-human hybrids, right? Clones, uh, sheepdogs, sheep pigs, you know, uh, spider, spider goats, all these strange things. Because this is where we're at. People no longer want to be human. They want to abdicate their individuality. They want to be a part of the monster mash. (laughs) The monster mash. Let me get into this. Stop playing around. Uh, We put this up October 5th. It comes from Technocracy News. It's by Amanda Height via The Scientist. It says, when animals are viewed on the same value level as humans, there is no ethical problem in interchanging DNA genetic material between them. The overriding problem is that transhuman scientists believe that the world of genetics is their private playpen to do what they wish. It says human animal chimeric embryos, organisms created using cells from two or more species, have the potential to change how researchers study disease and generate organs and tissue for human transplants. It says one day scientists have proposed it may be possible for someone with, say, pancreatic cancer to have their stem cells injected into a modified swine embryo lacking its own pancreas so it can grow a human organ for donation. Already, human-animal chimeric embryos, HACES, have been created using human cells injected into pigs, sheep, mice, rats, and monkeys, although none in the U.S. have been brought to term. In fact, their very existence is ethically contentious. What happens, for example, if scientists were to grow a human brain in an animal, blurring the line between species? (laughs) You know, I got to stop there. We've talked about uh, mini brains, is what they're called. It's like where they literally grow brains, grow like little mini brains. Um, I forget what they're called. There's like a cute name for them, Uh, but they're 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 miniaturized organs. And um, what they've done with some of these mini brains is they've given them doses of LSD psych- uh, and, and psychedelics, uh, psilocybin, to see how these mini brains would function, these, these, these pure brains, how they would function on LSD and, and, uh, and, and psychedelic, psychedelic drugs. They wanted to see how something that did not experience normal social stimuli or normal uh, bodily stimuli, right, how a hand feels or how, how, how wind feels on a face, they wanted to see how psychedelics would affect uh, organ, organ, organoids. There you go, yeah. Organoids is what they're called, those little mini-organs. They wanted to see how these organoids would feel if 
they were given these drugs. So they want to study our bodies. And so this sounds really strange when you, when you break it down, but to a degree, when they're studying these mini brains, organoids and stuff like this, they want to see how they can manipulate the brain whenever it's not being, you know, interacted with, with normal stimuli. Again, wind, wind on your face, um, rocks in your shoes, uh, accelerated heart rates, um, love, compassion, uh, political stress, stuff like that. They want to see how our bodies react or at least how our mind reacts when it's put in environments like that. Similar to what a, sim, a, sim, uh, uh, a sensory deprivation tank is, but in a different way. And so in a weird way, what I'm talking about is the building of the matrix and them trying to figure out a system of how to keep us trapped there so they can simulate reality. But that's a different thing for a different different day. I'm literally just talking about organoids um, and growing growing animal parts or growing body parts. This is a very strange world when you start looking into transhumanism, biohacking, genetic modification, and more. The reason I want to start off hybrid warfare is because clearly we are in the middle of a depopulation forward slash dehumanization campaign. This is why people want the shot. This is why people want to kill themselves. This is why we're all over the place. Again, the abdication of one's identity is a very real thing. And when you don't want to be human anymore, well, I guess you become a beast. I guess you become a monster. Let me get back into this. It says, in response to ethical, social, and legal concerns, the National Institutes of Health issued a moratorium for, on funding for HACE, for HACE research in 2015, pending the development of a new set of regulatory guidelines. While research continues in other countries and even in the U.S. through collaborative collaborations with foreign researchers uh, and private funding, the NIH has yet to reverse its decision, despite previous announcements that it would do so. To gauge the American's public the American public support for Hayes research, Francis Shin, a professor, a professor of law at the University of Minnesota, did two recent surveys carried out in Japan where many of the world's Hayes studies are done. In those surveys, Shin's colleagues found that the majority of the Japanese public supported the use of Hayes, although their feelings varied depending on the type of organ or tissue being grown. Quote, we thought, boy, it'd be really interesting to see if the American public thinks the same thing the same way, Shin tells the scientist. And so to pause again right there, I remember talking about this, and I hope you guys have heard me pick up on it. Hie Jinku, the Chinese geneticist that came out a couple years ago making two genetically modified babies, Nana and Lulu, who were genetically resistant to HIV and AIDS, that stuff's crazy. But this is where we're at. We are in the era of hybrids. And so, let me pull back. Let me pull back. Pull the mic closer so I can pull back. So we've already talked about the Mark of the Beast style system, right? Prophetic politics, social credit score system, injectable microchips using hydrogel so they can monitor your, 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 your biofeedback. That's, that's, that's cool. The era of hybrids. Transhumanism. The breaking down of, this, of the human structure. The changing of our DNA, making us GMO creatures. So for someone like me, who's a very strange individual, I always look at history, mythology, archaeology. Oh my God, what is happening? We are making ourselves the aliens. We are making ourselves the aliens, the mutants, the monsters. Remember a couple weeks ago I was talking about bringing back the old gods? 
You know why we have to use the word chimera or hybrid? Because there's no other way for us to, 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 to conceptualize these things other than referring back to history. But you see, again, because I'm just referring back to history, and I talk about this with our exclusive members, the flood, Noah's flood, they said that he was perfect in all of his generations. But when you analyze that, they're saying that Noah's blood was pure, that he was not corrupted, that that's one of the reasons why the flood took place. Because not only was man's mind wicked and the way of the world was corrupted, but our blood was polluted. That we had began mixing species. Nephilim, hybrids. You see how it's, it, it, I know it's not crazy for you guys, but for me, it's crazy to see history begin to recreate itself, to think that we could exalt ourselves. That we're, that this is what transhumanism is. At its core, it is, it is, it is under, for, for scientists and proponents who believe in the transhuman ideology, it's saying that God himself messed up. That God didn't make us perfect and whole in, our, in all of our ways. And that through science and technology, we will become perfect. That's what this is. That's what we're talking about. They're just saying, oh, well, how do you feel about human-animal hybrids? Are you cool with that? You all right with that? I mean, you have, you have nothing wrong with us, like, injecting you with a microchip to detect your biofunctions, right? Cool. How do you feel about, oh, let's just say, blurring the lines between animal and man? Because this is exactly what Satanists say, right? That we're just beasts. There's no divinity to us. There's nothing different from a, from, from a, from a, from a cow, right? We're the same as a four-legged as a, as a four beast, right? Dangerous days we're entering into, I'm telling you. Because this is what happens. When we don't have ethics, when we don't have morals, when we don't have standards, when, again, we remove God from society and the Bible from, from common nomenclature, when we don't care, this is what happens when we become godless. You know who has a lot of, a, a, a lot of clones? China. China has a lot of clones. So does North Korea. That's, a, <laughs> that's why the article went over it right here. It's like, boy, I wonder what the Americans think about this. Because they're already doing it over there. And now we're going to begin doing it here. It's already happening. You go to jail for using gendered language. That's, that's, um, that's what the transgender agenda is, is beginning to introduce that dialogue into society. You don't want to, you, that minotaur over there, don't call him a minotaur. Call, call him an it, or, you know, call him a, a, a shim, or whatever they prefer. I know this seems like facetious and crazy and wild to you guys, but at the start of 2020, did you think you'd be wearing a mask throughout it? Again, I've talked about it. Hie Jinkui, the Chinese geneticist that made uh, uh, two genetically, two babies who are resistant to HIV and AIDS. That's just now making children who are resistant to certain diseases. Where is this going to go? I'll say this and I'll move into my next topic. Bill Gates kind of alluded to it earlier this year, like a villain in a super, like a sociopath would. He said that this virus may not 
get their attention, but the next one will. The next one will be done with terrorists. The next one will. And so while we're talking about human-animal hybrids, something being done for the surface, who's to say that there aren't rogue geneticists willing to create those superhumans, willing to create those transhumans, these, these people who won't be beholden to the social contract that I talked about earlier in the show. You really have to think about what they mean by this new normal and the Great Reset. But let me continue on, getting into our next article. Right here. Singapore is paying people to have babies. Not like in China, where they're still reeling for, from their one-child policy. No, but in Singapore, where they're releasing the Boston Dynamics dog spot on people, monitoring them in parks. In Singapore, they're actually paying citizens to have babies. This is an article written by Rob Pichetta via CNN, but it's being reposted over there at Technocracy News. They put this up October 7th. Then it says, Singapore is one of the world's first technocracy states. While global technocrats decried overpopulation as the world's biggest problem, it is ironic that those countries are the first to experience demographic collapse. That's precisely what Elon Musk said. Going into 2030, we are going to experience a, Democrat, a demographic crater, a loss in population due to COVID-19, climate change, politics, all this other nonsense, people ain't having babies. Can't have it. We, we've talked about it. All the people that aren't working, well, can't have a baby if you ain't got money. Can't pay for that. A demographic crater. So yeah, they got to incentivize people to have babies because this is how it works. This is why you need 2.5 kids to replace you and your wife out of the workforce. Oh, but don't say wife. That's offensive. <laughs> You might upset people that, that don't want to have wives. Let me get back into this. It says Singapore will offer a one-time payment to aspiring parents during the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, the country's deputy prime minister said the incentive would help reassure people who face financial pressure and are worried about their jobs. Quote, we have received feedback that COVID-19 has caused some aspiring parents to postpone their parenthood plans. Hang Sweet Kiet told lawmakers on Monday, quote, this is fully understandable, especially when they face uncertainty with their income, he added. Hing said that the payment would help parents with, experience, with expenses, but he did not confirm how much would be paid out. Despite a largely successful uh, public health response to the pandemic, Singapore's economy has been thrown into a deep recession. GDP likely shrank 12.6% in the second quarter compared to the same time the previous year marking the, quote, steepest drop on record, according to The Economists. Singapore has one of the lowest birth rates in the world, the statistic that successive governments have attempted to unsuccessfully reverse. The fertility rate now stands at 1.14 births per woman, according to the National Statistics Body. That places it level with Hong Kong, according to the World Bank. Only South Korea and the U.S. territory of Puerto Rico have lower rates. For a country to naturally repopulate itself, women must have 2.1 babies on average, though most developed countries are now, are now below that level as a decline in the, in, in, in the proportion of couples and the lessening importance of traditional gender roles have seen fertility rates drop globally. Yeah. <laughs> so... 
You want you still want to be a hybrid? Remember the couple of weeks ago I told you guys about simping and how that's a part of the uh, the, the dehumanization campaign. Listen, you know the only thing I could tell you guys at this point is go get yourself a nice woman, go get you a nice plot of land, go get you as much ammo as you can, put your hands into the earth, and dig in, man. Don't be don't don't do any of this political nonsense. It ain't worth the time. Go get your money. Go get your lady. Go get your homestead. Go get your weaponry and go 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 live. Because what's happening right now is they are trying to scramble people's brains to such a degree that normal is seen as archaic, the same way that privacy is archaic. They are trying to throw out every sense of traditionality. That's why I came at Black Lives Matter for so long, and I'm still coming at them because they wanted to destroy the nuclear family. That's why I'm freaking out about communism, because they want to disrupt the nuclear family. They want to destroy and control humanity. And I have a problem with that, as should you. So in some parts of the world, they're actually encouraging <laughs> childbirth, traditional gender roles, none of this nonsense. It's crazy how China's not playing any of this, this, this game, this gendered language nonsense. They don't got the population to do that. Over here, where we have an abundance of people, a population boom, we can do this. Again, the sophistication. And now, Netflix has been indicted over lewd visual material depicting children in their show, in their movie, Cuties. That's right. They have been indicted by a grand jury in Tyler County, Texas, for promoting material in Cutie, in their film, Cutie which depicts lewd exhibition of public, a pubic area of a clothed or partially clothed child 